Amen. Amen. And everyone can be seated. Have you had a good time listening and learning from the book of Nehemiah? Has it, has it been enlightening? Do you see the servanthood that, the, that, that uh, Nehemiah was providing? Did you see the servant of God overcome obstacles and lead a people and them follow? But not because they were following the man, but they were following the God who was in the man, and that was God himself, God Almighty. I hope you've enjoyed this because we're, we're kind of coming to a close. We'll have one more week after this in chapter 13. Today, I'm going to look at two chapters, chapter 11 and 12, and you'll see why, um, there, it's, uh, you'll see why I'm going to do two of them at once because they, they kind of go hand in hand, and it's kind of hard to have one without the other. But uh, I, in Nehemiah chapter 11, verse uh, 22, or verse 27 I should say, is we're going to start reading this morning. But before I start reading there, I, I just want to make uh, this little fact known that the walls and the gates at this point have been constructed. Everything is finished. And you saw how uh, Nehemiah, after he finished the walls and the gates, he started to lead the people back into praise and worship. And he did that through the Word of God. If you remember, we learned about all of that and how he put the Word of God at the forefront of all the ministries and everything that was being done in the city of Jerusalem. The Word of God reigned uh, most high. And he wanted the people to understand the importance of the Word of God. And that's where we are. And, and that's where we, we, we are at this point. Now comes the dedication of those walls that were built. The dedication of the people that worked so diligently to get the walls built and dedicating them to God who led them to rebuild these walls in the first place. This is not a new wall. These walls are prepared and rebuilt by Nehemiah, but they were not fresh and new walls. A lot of the materials, as we learned, some of it was reused, some of it was not, some of, it was, uh, some of the materials had to, be, um, had, to be, had to be brand new, but the wall itself had already existed. They were just repairing what was there. So, at that point, this is where we are of the dedication in verses uh, in chapters 11 and 12. So I just wanted to give you that background before I read out of chapter 12. We're going to pick it up in chapter 12, verse 27. I'm sure you found it by now, so I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet in the honor of the reading of God's Word this morning. And what we find in chapter 12, verse 27, it says, Now it was the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... And they sought out the Levites from all their places to bring them to Jerusalem so that they might celebrate the dedication with gladness, with hymns of thanksgiving, and with songs through the accompaniment of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So the sons of the singers were assembled before the district around Jerusalem and from the villages of the, uh, the Nephethanites, you say that ten times fast, from Beth Ilgal, Gilgal, and from their fields in Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built themselves villages around Jerusalem. The priests and the Levites purified themselves. They also purified the people, the gates, and the walls. In verse 31 it says, Then I had the leaders of Judah come up on top of the wall, and I appointed two great choirs, the first proceeding to the right on top of the wall toward the refuse gate. Hoshaiah and half of the leaders of Judah followed them, with Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the sons of the priests with trumpets, and Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, 
the son of Zachor, the son of Asaph, and the kinsmen, Shemaiah, Azarel, Malali, Gelali, Maai, Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. Very important there. We're going to look at that. At the fountain gate, they went directly up the steps of the city to David by the stairway of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The second uh, choir proceeded to the left while I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of furnaces to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim by the old gate by the fish gate, the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. And they stopped at the gate of the guard. Then the two choirs took their stand in the house of God. So did I and half of all the officials with me, and the priests Eliakim and Messiah, Minamem, uh, Micaiah, Elaniah, Zechariah, and Hananiah, and the trumpets and Masaiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehonan, Milkajah, Elam, and Ezer, and the singer sang with Jezehiah, their leader, and on that on that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced um, and rejoiced because God had given them great joy. Even the women and children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar. On that day, men were appointed over the chambers of the stores um, of the stores the the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather them into the fields and into the cities. Uh, the proportions required uh, of the proportions that were required by the law and the priests and Levites for Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who served for they performed the worship of their God and the service of their purification together with the singers and the gatekeepers in accordance with the command of David and his son Solomon for in the days of David Asaph in ancient times there were leaders of the singers songs of praise and hymns of thanksgiving to God David is the one that set all of that up. In verse 47 it says, So all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah gave their portions due to the singers and the gatekeepers as each day required and set apart uh, the consecrated portion for the Levites and the Levites set apart the consecrated portion for the sons of Aaron. May we, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that you'll, you'll take all of this scripture that we've just read, that you'll tie it together, that you'll use me to do that, Father. As a lot of it seems like we're, we're kind of all over the place, but there is a point to what was written, written here, Father. I pray that you'll bring us all together in one accord so that we'll understand what your word means, Father. And I pray that you'll use me to that end. Let us praise you for who you are during this time of your message. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You can be seated. And I, I know that that was a lot of reading and a little bit of short amount of time, and there was a lot of names in there that maybe I that maybe I tore up. I don't know, but there's a reason for all those names listed. And in chapter 11, it's pretty much all the names were relisted again. That's why I didn't read from chapter 11 again. Not that they were less significant, but because we've already read them several times. There's a point why they were recorded in verse in, in chapter 11, and we'll see the point as to why they were recorded. Some more men were, were recorded in verse 12. It's very important because those names were there for a reason. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But as I said earlier, that the walls and the gates had been constructed, and this was a time of dedication. What, it, what good is it to rebuild a wall around a city if you're not going to occupy it with people to protect the city and to provide for the city? It wouldn't do much good, would it? Now, I think 
probably most of us in here remember Hurricane Hugo. If you do remember that, raise your hand. I want to see your hands. All of you remember it. You remember it vividly, don't you? You remember it vividly. We've got a couple of young people saying, so were we born yet? When, when was that? Was that, was that like in 1950? No, it, and, it, but most of you remember that. I'm just picking on all the young people, I promise. But we remember it. We remember it well. You remember the hard times that you suffered. You remember all, all the losses that you endured. But you also remembered a time where people came together like never before, and you didn't see that ever before. And you were so glad to see a, a community of people, a city of people, whether, whether we call it Isle of Palms or Sullivan's Island or McClellanville or Charleston or Awandar or North Charleston or Somerville, the whole Tri-County area was affected deeply by Hurricane Hugo, and we saw miraculous things come out of that with people pulling together. Now, why would they do that? Because you wanted your city, you wanted the Tri-County area to survive, you wanted it to thrive. What good would it be to rebuild the Charleston area here in, the, in South Carolina if no one was going to protect it, provide for it, and live in it. It was senseless. It was the same thing that we see here. What good was it to do this? So Nehemiah had to repopulate the city. So he did it in one of two ways, and he had some people come in, and he had people that were already there, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But everything that Nehemiah and this people did up to this point was intentional. Every bit of it was intentional. Now, God had instructed Nehemiah to do this, and Nehemiah left. And remember, he was the, the, the cupbearer to the king, a very, uh, a very uh, wealthy job. I say very wealthy job. He was paid very well, did very well for himself. And the job, uh, although it was very dangerous, physically it was not very taxing, but it was a very dangerous position to be in. But he was right next to the king, and he served him every day. He had a great position. But God told him to leave that, that nice job to go... Uh, to Jerusalem and rebuild and go out in the hot sun every day and labor, and not only labor, but to lead others in, in performing that labor. Very tough, difficult decision, but he did what God wanted him to do. It was intentional. From the, from the point that God called him, everything that Nehemiah did was intentional. It was an intentional act of service to the community, to the city of Jerusalem, to the people that remained there, the remnant. We talked about that. The remnant were the people that were left behind that were generally uneducated or usually uneducated or they were poor because Babylon didn't want them to take them into captivity when they first went into captivity with Babylon because, hey, they, they didn't have much money and they weren't very smart. Why would we want them? We'll leave them behind and we'll take the wealthy and the ones that are well-educated. So these guys are left behind, and, and Nehemiah goes back to help them build this wall. Everything that he did was intentional for the city of Jerusalem and for the people thereof, and it was intentional that he was serving God like that. Now, I'm going to turn that to say to us, and the three points that I'm going to make here, is that our ministries here at Holmes Avenue need to be intentional when it comes to our community. And what better uh, example to take that from than one of the greatest servants that we'll ever read about in Nehemiah. In fact, I, I don't know that I know of anyone else in God's Word who was a bigger servant for God's purpose than Nehemiah, simply because all that he gave up and all that he accomplished and overcame because he was so dedicated to God. 
So everything that he did was intentional, and our reactions and, and our ministries here and our actions here at Holmes Avenue need to be intentional to the community. First of all, first of all the community needs to see our devotion. The community needs our devotion. I don't know if you have notes there, but I'm, they started putting them up on behind me here, and I can see them up front. The, 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 the community needs our devotion. And you're talking about what kind of devotion. We need to be committed to the, and devoted to the, the community first and foremost, but we can never be committed and we can never be dedicated to a community if we're not first dedicated to God. Now, there's a lot of things that you can do uh, to... to to help your community out. You can coach baseball. You can coach football. You can coach soccer. You can run a girls' club or a boys' club. And you can do a lot of things to help your community to make it better. And, and I'm talking, and those things are great. I ran into a guy the other day, and his name is Johnny Dodds. His dad used to be the, the, the mayor of Mount Pleasant. And Johnny, his son, uh, used to coach me in football. And I ran into him in the gym the other day, and we were talking. And he said, you know... Uh, I said, you used to coach me in football with Gary. And he says, yeah, we were talking about the old days. And he said, you know, your father coached me in football. He said, Sam used to coach me. And I said, I remember that. I was real little. Uh, Johnny's about 12 years older than me. And we started talking about those times where all the people in Mount Pleasant and all the great people that came together to run a successful recreation department and things of that nature. My father was very involved in the recreation department in Mount Pleasant with some very great people. And it was a great work that they were doing. And I'm not knocking that. But when it comes to the spiritual guidance and the spiritual leadership of a community, it has to be, it has to be intentional for God first. Once we intentionally serve God, then we can intentionally serve the community. So with the community needs our devotion. They need our devotion in two places. They need it to the community and they need it to God first and foremost. But there's a couple of points I want to make about our devotion to the community. The community, devotion to the community through your devotion to God. Two things here. One, you can either be volunteered to be that, that person in your community, to be devoted to the community and to be to God, and I'll explain that by saying this. Some of you volunteered. Look what it says in, 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 verse, uh, in verse 27, verse 28 that we just read. I, I'm sorry, in verse, tw- uh, in verse 2 of chapter 11. Uh, please forgive me, um, and I'm, I'm telling you wrong. I'm telling you wrong. I'm writing it down in my notes, and I'm telling you wrong. Um, in, in verse 28 that I had just read, the sons and the singers, uh, they assembled from the district around Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nephilimites. And I am still reading you the wrong text. God just hit it on me. Listen, there were some volunteers that had volunteered to do this great work in Jerusalem. They had volunteered to be there. They, they wanted to be there. They wanted to show their devotion to God by serving their community. Some of you here have been called by God to be here. I, I have been called by God to be here. I've never had anything to do with Charleston or Holmes Avenue Baptist Church. The, the most I ever had to do with North Charleston is traveling through it or to it for some type of event, but I never really was involved in the community or any type of organization in North Charleston. I just, I'd, I'd never had any ties here. My family didn't have any ties here. So I'm one of those that volunteered because God has called me here. Nehemiah was one of those volunteers that God had called here. Some of you have grown up in this area but still felt a calling to come here. So you volunteered to come here simply based on the fact that God has called you. Some of you are here involuntarily. 
Some of you, your families grew up here. Some of you uh, knew this place since you were a little boy or a little girl, and it's all you ever knew. This was your church. It's always going to be your church. Now, I, now I, want, I want to make a very good point here, because I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, are you saying that I'm not called here? Absolutely not. I want you to know that whether or not you're here voluntarily or involuntarily, it is because God has placed you here. If God has placed you here because of a family member or God has placed you here because this is where you grew up, it's still where God placed you. And you're still doing a great work within the church. If, if you're here involuntarily, and that is that God had called you here and you decided to heed that calling and come and serve God here, then you too have been called. You've been placed here either voluntarily or involuntarily by God. And I hope that makes sense to, anybody, to everyone. It was, an, it was an intentional act by God to place you in this church, in this community. Now, now, I think most of you will agree that there are other people in this community that are called here. It's just they've not either heeded to that calling yet, or God hasn't made it abundantly clear, or maybe they're just not listening. And I think we can all agree on that. So you're here either voluntarily or involuntarily. No matter which, God called you here. Romans 12.1 sums it up this way. I urge you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. In other words, God, it, he, he is telling us that we must devote ourselves to the work of God no matter how we got here, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. Now, I also want you to remember this, and I told you I'd get back to these names. God will be devoted to the community and to the servant. Now, I, I want to I I prove that by saying this. In Nehemiah, chapters 3, chapter 7, chapters 8, chapters 10, and chapter 11, we see a lot of names recorded there. And I told you that it was for the remembrance of them and all the hard work they had done and that no one would get left behind. Everybody comes to remembrance. So I, 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 Nehemiah, there was, there was, it was not a mistake that he recorded these names this many times. God had instructed him to do that. He wanted to show, uh, Nehemiah did, wanted to show his appreciation for all that was done for the nation. The people is the nation. The people are the church. The people are the community. And Nehemiah wanted to show his appreciation for all that everyone had done and mentioned. That's why he listed them. Many of you here today deserved to be mentioned, deserved to be on that list. And because of what you've done in the past. The generations before me have done a hard work, a diligent work, to give us a place to worship today. They've given this community a place to come and to worship corporately with the saints. They've given a place for people that have never been here before to walk in here and experience God for the first time at Holmes Avenue Baptist Church. And maybe make a decision if they're not saved to be saved or a decision if they're looking for the church, for a new church, maybe this is where God is calling them. I don't know. But I do know this, that the generation before me provided that. Now the generation that is my like generation, that is the people from my generation and the people and the generation to follow me, we need to take a lesson to say, Please don't let this list of names of people that have gone on before us or that did all this hard work, don't let their work be in vain. That's why Nehemiah was listing all these names. Don't let what they did be in vain. Let's just not forget about them and sweep them under the rug. There was a purpose that they had, and that was the purpose for the future of the church. And our future, or our generation, needs to serve that same purpose for the future of the community out here.
These aren't the last people, that these families that are in these homes now are not the last families that are going to occupy these homes. There'll be families after that, and families after that, and families after that, just as they have been over the decades. Family after family, and this church remains a, a staple in this community for people to come and to learn about God. The community also will remember. See, this was God's way of adding these names. It was God's way also of saying that he's devoted to you. It's also God's way of of telling you, listen closely, because I think I'm losing some of you. Listen to me closely. It is God's way of recording what you have done to serve him. Now remember, he just recorded what everybody had done. A lot of these people that, that, that were named... You ever heard the phrase, well, 100 years from now, who's going to care? These people came before Nehemiah. Nehemiah wasn't even born yet when a lot of these people were doing the work in Jerusalem. They weren't even born. King David was 500 years. His death came 500 years before Nehemiah. But David was the one that set up the choirs and and made that a practice. He even instituted uh, instruments into the praise and worship. That was what David did. If you heard when I stopped reading, I said, David instituted all that. David started all of that. And Nehemiah remembers that. God is recording all of your works. You know that when we get to heaven, that that when when we're judged, it will all come back to us. It's God's way of telling you, I know what you've done. When nobody else cares, when anybody else criticizes what you are doing, God remembers and honors it. If that doesn't make you say amen, then we've we got to start over. It's 12 o'clock and I can start the sermon over. I don't mind. God remembers what you're doing. Now here's the, here's the thing. The community is going to remember it too. The community will remember it. Proverbs 3 and 4 says this. It says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of both God and man. In front of God here at Holmes Avenue and the people, the men and the women and the children of this community. Now there's a second reason. There's a second thing that the community needs to see. They need to see our devotion to God, but they also need to see our praise to God. I'll go through these quickly, I promise. They need to see our praise to God. They need to see, first of all, our praise and our dedication to God. They need to witness that. The community needs to know that that's what we're doing. So I'm I'm going to start that out by asking this question. How does that community know what we do here? How does that community know that you've got this wild redhead man who's not very good looking and gets up here and and just acts like a complete maniac on Sunday morning. How do they know that this exists? How do they know that we're worshiping God in here? How do they know what songs we're singing? How do they know what the Sunday school class is teaching? How do they know what choir song or the song that the choir is going to sing? How are they going to know that Debbie leads the choir or Brian's the community pastor? How do they know that Bill has been in this church for years and has dedicated himself to this church? How do they know that if we can't get them in here? Well, we have to take it to them. They can't see what we do in here through these walls. We, we don't live and we don't worship in a glass church. Thank goodness. But we don't, we don't, we don't serve God in a glass church, so how are they going to see it? And 
I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you about it. And I know all of you are inquiring. I know you are. The community should witness our praise and our dedication. We've seen the dedication of the people here in the book of Nehemiah over the last ten weeks. We've looked at the dedication of the people. And we've seen the dedication of them. Now we're seeing the dedication of the walls and the gates. The community should witness the Word of God. Okay, now now follow me on this. These people were invited to see this dedication of this wall. We need to do the same for our community, to see our dedication and our devotion and our praise to God. So how do we do that? We have to take it to them, church. We, We have to give it to them. The community should witness our services. Shouldn't they? Don't, don't you agree that you would want... How many of you here right now, be honest with me, and I want to show hands, think, I really wish that so-and-so could hear this sermon or last week's or the weeks before. Anybody got somebody in their, in their mind right now that they can think of? I do. And there's somebody close here. So how are they going to see it? They need to see our services. And they're not going to see it in here. So we have to take it to them. Why didn't they just meet in front of the temple? Why didn't didn't they just, okay, everybody meet in front of the temple at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a little dedication service. We're going to go on our way. It wasn't about the temple. I'm not trying to, please don't think that I'm putting down the temple. In no way am I putting down the temple. God resided in the Holy of Holies, as we all know. This was about the walls and the gate. It was about a great work that God had done through the servant Nehemiah. This is what this was about. They were dedicating the walls, not the temple. They were dedicating that. They had, imagine this if you will, and I, I want you to keep your eye on Debbie over here because Debbie might start, start getting a little antsy here because I want to paint a picture that she's going to love. You had this choir come out from the left side of the wall, this huge choir playing instruments and singing with the most beautiful voices. And Ezra is leading that choir, and he's leading them in song and in praise. And some of the priests and the Levites are with them. And they're singing these joyous praises to God. And then on the right-hand side, we see this other choir come out. Settle down now, don't. They see this other choir come out. And Nehemiah's not in front, but the Word says he was following them in. And when he got to where they were going and they met in the front, front on, the, on top of the wall now, mind you, they weren't on the ground, they were on top of the wall, They stopped in front of the temple and they praised and worshipped God. How could they ever see that if they took the worship inside the temple? Or inside the walls that surrounded the temple? How could they see that? Nehemiah needed this to be public. He needed to see, he wanted the public to see their praises to God. Now I didn't mention, a lot of you are probably saying, he didn't mention the movie night last night. Why didn't he do that in his... In his announcements, I did it to save it for this. We did a great work last night. People came out, saw the love of Christ, ate some food, watched a wonderful movie. But we just had a time of relaxation. We took our service to the community. They need to see that. They need to see us praise. They need to see us worshiping God. The community needs to see our praise. And thank you, by the way, for everybody that took part in that. Brian, God bless you for putting that together. If you're trying to show our community, if we are trying to show our community praise, then why should everything take place in here where they cannot see it? 
Luke 14, 23 says, The master said to the slave, Go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. That was the parable of the wedding feast in the book of Luke. Then they will want to come in here and join in in the praise. Now, there's, now there is that. There is the praise and dedication to God, and then there's the labor and joy. The joy from building the wall and the labor came from dedication to God and to the community. This wall was built the last. I'm going to shift gears here. Just, this, this wall was built the last. Remember, two choirs, two grand choirs just came out walking on top of the wall. A wall over 39 feet high and over 8 feet wide. That's how big this wall is. As a matter of fact, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3, let me remind you of what we, what we talked about in that fourth week. Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, it would break down their stone wall. He was mocking their wall. And now we see two choirs coming out from each side. Hundreds of men coming to sing praises to God before the public. That'd have to be a pretty big fox to knock down that wall. This was a work of God. It was intentional, and it was an intentional act for the community. And they were joyous because of this. They were, they were so happy about what they had accomplished in this city. We should be joyful for what God has done, what He has built. There's been much hard work and dedication put into this church and the people that have gone on before us and the people that are still here and the people that come after us need to take up that work and it will do the community no good if we hide it inside these walls. They need to see our praise. Nehemiah 12.44 says, uh, On that day men were also appointed over the chambers. I am reading you the wrong text again. My apologies. But it, it says uh, it, it says in our word, and I don't I, I must have mixed those two. Uh, y'all, please excuse me for mixing up those. Um, I do apologize profusely for mixing up those those uh, pieces of scripture there. But God's word does tell us that when they started to praise and they started to sing, that it was heard from afar. From afar, that means their praises were going out. The villages that surrounded, they could hear the praise and the worship going on. And we can never do that unless we get outside. Here's the last thing in band. You can come forward. The community needs our gifts. The community needs our gifts. They need our gifts and they need our talents. We, we can't hide them. It does the community no good. In verses 44 through 47, the last three um, verses in our text, in verse 12, they were given assignments according to their callings and the gifts. The Levites, and it, it, it primarily deals with the Levites, the priests. But they were given specific assignments according to their responsibilities and their callings and their gifts. And the people willingly carried out, carried out those responsibilities. Some were in charge of storehouses. Some were in charge of, of handing out the money um, uh, to buy food and to buy other things. Uh, somebody was there that was a financial officer that, that um, used the money to repair the temple when things would wear out and things would break. It was very intentional what they did. Very intentional. And they used their gifts and their talents to that end. And I want you to, I'm encouraging you to go back and read that and study it. They remain true to their promises and their dedication to God's work. The community needs to see that in this church. And I do believe they're seeing it. I really do. I'm not here to try to tell you anything negative. I think what we're doing is a good work. What I'm trying to do is encourage us through Nehemiah to keep up that good work. 
It's also not just done with our gifts and our talents, but also with our offerings and sacrifices, our tithes and offerings. I don't think I need to say a whole lot there because we've talked about tithes and offerings for so long. But we need the support of the ministry through what God has blessed you with. That's, that's what they were doing. They were, God had blessed them with these things and they were obedient to give their tithes and offerings. The people also gave support to the temple and its workers. The collections were put back into the temple and the ministries so the workers could sacrifice themselves to the people. The priests, they could sacrifice themselves to the ministry of the people because everything else was taken care of through their tithes and offerings. And then there was their sacrifices. See, we often think of our offerings as just monetary gifts. It's just not in money, folks. It's through our time. It's through our talents. It's through our efforts. It's not just about the money. It's about, it's about so many other things that God has given you that you can bless this community with. It's your knowledge. You might have a special gift in a certain area to be able to serve in different areas. You might be able to serve at a school or a public servant's uh, office of some sort, a police or a fireman to volunteer in some way or to be able to give back to the community and use your gifts and talents for that. Before our monies or talents can do any good, we must first sacrifice ourselves to God. If we don't sacrifice ourselves to God first and foremost, our talents and our gifts will be useless. And no one will benefit from them. No one. Only then will our giving back be true worship. We say it a lot when we take up our tithes and offerings that it's an act of worship, and it is. Giving up our tithes and our gifts and our offerings and our sacrifice is true worship. It's true worship. Now, I know that this is not a huge salvation message this morning. I, hope, I, I think you all know that. I think you all understand that. But what I wanted to get across this morning through Nehemiah, because Nehemiah has covered a multitude of themes that we've looked at, a multitude of things that we need to hear, the Word of God, the dedication to God, the dedication to communities, overcoming obstacles and overcoming enemies. This, this is a very, very diverse book of Nehemiah. It has taught us so much. And we're going to close out either next week or the week after that, but I want you to remember this, that the servant that Nehemiah was is the servant that we need to be and take the example from. Because we have a community out here that's relying on that. And I want you to remember that. Let's stand and sing our last song this morning.